You are listening to episode 45 of the Autism Mom Coach, Moms Like Us, interview with Jamie Gregory. In this week's episode of the podcast, you will hear an interview with my client, Jamie Gregory, about her experience as a coaching client. In this interview, Jamie will tell you a little bit about where she was when she decided to reach out for coaching and how it has helped her transform her relationship to autism parenting and how she shows up to the day-to-day challenges of parenting twin five-year-old boys with autism. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Autism Mom Coach, a podcast for moms who feel overwhelmed, afraid, and sometimes powerless as they raise their child with autism. My name is Lisa Candera. I'm a certified life coach, lawyer, and most importantly, I'm a full-time single mom to a teenage boy with autism. In this podcast, I'll show you how to transform your relationship with autism and special needs parenting. You'll learn how to shift away from being a victim of your circumstances to being the hero of the story you get to write. Let's get started. All right. Well, welcome, Jamie Gregory, to the Autism Mom Coach Podcast. Happy to be here. I am so glad that you are here. So let's just get started by introducing yourself, which you have, but a little bit about your background and how we came together. Sure. So I'm Jamie Gregory. I'm the mom of five-year-old twin boys who are both autistic. And I got to know Lisa through the Coops Troop support group on Facebook. I watched one of her live videos where she was sharing some information about her coaching model. And it sounded really helpful. And I wanted to learn more. I listened to some episodes of your podcast and it just kept getting better and better. (laughs) And did did the phone consultation with you and ended up doing the six-month coaching program. Yeah. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about where you were? Why did coaching seem like something that you might want to do? What was going on for you? Sure. So our boys were diagnosed with autism when they were two years old. They're five now. And at the time when I started looking into your coaching program, our family had just recently been infected with COVID. And both of our boys became extremely dysregulated. One thing that we've learned about them is anytime they have any sort of sickness, they just do not handle that well at all. They really struggle and get very dysregulated. And they were starting to have more meltdowns. They were happening more frequently and they were becoming more intense. And it was just really taking a huge emotional toll on me because I didn't really know the best way to support them during the meltdowns. It was also just really having a negative impact on my own mental health. They would have a meltdown and it would just kind of derail me for the rest of the day. I was having emotional breakdowns and just feeling very isolated and kind of helpless. And that was right around the time that I discovered you and your podcast and your coaching program. And that really helped turn things around for me. So I was just kind of in a state of desperation. (laughs) (laughs) That that sounds right. I mean, really, that's how I created the coaching program to begin with, right? It was like in my own state, extended state of desperation, where it was like, okay, how am I going to do this? And you know, that's really how all of this started. Okay, so I think you've already hit on it a bit, but what were your challenges and what were your goals for coaching? 
Sure. So my biggest challenges at that time were, like I said, the meltdowns were starting to happen more frequently and the intensity level was increasing with the boys' meltdowns. And also just feeling outnumbered by my kids a lot of the time. I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom and my husband has a very busy work life. So a lot of times it's just me solo, not only at home in situations where they're both having meltdowns at the same time, but also just trying to navigate being out in public with them by myself was just really difficult at times, feeling a little outnumbered. And then another challenge was we tend to cycle through these periods of being in survival mode, whether it's because the boys are sick or our routine has changed for some reason, or there's some big life change that we're adjusting to. And when we're in that survival mode period, which usually like if they're sick, it lasts for a couple of weeks and we're just trying to survive. And a lot of things get put on the back burner, like some of the at-home therapy programs that we do with them. And so it was getting challenging to keep life on track during those periods of survival mode, but then also transition back to normal life after being in survival mode. So those were some of my biggest challenges. Some of my goals were to improve and stabilize my mental health, despite the challenges of being a special needs parent, learning how to better manage their meltdowns so that they didn't derail me, but also learning how to support Oliver and Owen properly during their meltdowns by being the solid object for them, like you've talked about in your podcast. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I remember during our first meeting, you were talking about a meltdown that had recently happened and you're like, I was shaking. I was shaking. (laughs) And I remember we started to, we had that conversation really early on about the stress response, right? That you had been in survival mode for so long and your body was literally like shaking out the stress and releasing Mm -hmm. the stress that had been like pent up. I mean, I think you talked a lot about like waiting for the other shoe to drop and holding your breath, right? And Mm -hmm. so we started- White knuckling. (laughs) White knuckling it, yeah. So we started that work, I remember from go. That was where our work was. Yes, definitely. So then now that we know what your challenges and your goals were, can you share about how coaching helped you? Yeah, I was thinking about that to prepare for this interview. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start because it's helped me in so many ways. So for those of you who can't see, Jamie has a list of notes, which is very (laughs) Jamie. As part of my coaching program, I provide my clients with notes after each session about the tools that were taught and some takeaways. And Jamie always was referencing her computer while we were on our calls. And I just thought, well, maybe she has my notes up, but she had her own notes up. And (laughs) Jamie is like the most organized person I know. And that says a lot. I mean, some of my- I should have been in the Girl Scouts or something. Isn't their (laughs) motto like always be prepared? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as the ways that it helped me and things that I learned, one way that your coaching program helped me that was unexpected, but a huge benefit was just gaining a better understanding about what's happening physiologically before, during, and after meltdowns, not only in our kids' bodies, but in my own body as well, and learning more about the science behind the nervous system and being in fight or flight mode. And just the fact that the reason why the boys are having these meltdowns in the first place is because their bodies are dysregulated. This isn't something that they're doing intentionally. They're not doing this out of spite or trying to make life difficult. And Another big light bulb 
for me was coming to terms with the fact that these meltdowns just come with the territory when you have kids with autism, because, you know, when they started happening more frequently and getting more intense every single time, I felt like I was just blindsided by it. Like, where is this coming from? Why is this happening again? Like, when are we ever going to be done with these meltdowns? And so you really helped me come to terms and wrap my head around the fact that like, this is just part of life with autism. Yeah, I saw that shifting you from the meltdowns to I remember you went through a sleep, you know, cycle at some point. <laughs> sleep deprivation. And I remember you were like, I remember at that point, you were kind of like, yeah, this is just we're in one of those sleep cycles. And I was like, oh, wow, look at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's helped me come to terms with a lot of things like that, that just come with the territory. We've had a lot of prolonged periods of sleep deprivation. And so yeah, just realizing like, okay, this is just part of it. This is going to happen every once in a while. And then we'll have some periods of smooth sailing. Some other ways that it helped was learning how to keep myself calm while the boys were having a meltdown. And that helped me be able to better support them in the moment and help them get regulated again and also prevent me from just getting completely derailed by it for the rest of the day. So I was able to bounce back more quickly. What were some of your go-tos to sort of self-soothe yourself? I think part of it was just that mental shift of like we were just talking about knowing that like, okay, understanding why it was happening in the first place, like why they're having these meltdowns in the first place, because they're dysregulated. This is, you know, maybe the only way that they know how to cope with this, or it might just be something that they're doing involuntarily. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would try to kind of distance myself from what was happening mentally, like kind of I know we talked about that early on, and I, I think you had a podcast episode about that, like almost kind of detaching yourself, almost like a little bit of an out-of-body experience. Also, there have been times where the boys have had some really intense meltdowns in very difficult situations where I felt trapped and that my options were limited, like I'm driving in the car and they're strapped into their car seats. You know, there isn't anything I can really do in that moment or, you know, in the middle of the night when they're screaming at the top of their lungs because they have an ear infection. And during some of those really difficult times, I would resort to some of the breathing techniques mm -hmm. that you taught me. Yep. And that has really helped to keep my body calm and also just give my mind something else to focus on. Yeah, um, that's I remember you telling me the story about driving home on a yeah. kind of a, I, I pictured like one of those super windy roads around a yes, mountain. Yes, we were in the middle of a mountain in Tennessee or something. <laughs> right. You're like, there's nothing to do. And and those are so challenging. And I, I am personally somebody who is very triggered by noise. And so what I have done yes. in those situations, like if I can't put the headphones on, particularly in the car, is I will put down the window a bit because that actually disperses the noise. So yeah. pro tip for anybody who's you know <laughs> stuck in a car with a screaming mm -hmm. child, you know, wear warm clothing. There have been times at home where I have taken one of our kids' pairs of noise-canceling headphones and put them on myself yeah. <laughs> because like I just, for my own sanity. You know, you touched on it a little bit, but it's like <clears throat> what you're doing there is actually trying to regulate your own nervous system. Now, we're yes. always talking about our kids and their dysregulation and how we help them self-soothe. Well, we're not trying to feed them like cognitive, good, positive affirmations to believe. We're literally trying to tap into their bodies. And so it's the same thing with us. So it's like not enough to just have the mind shift, although the mind shift 
can be great. It's like what to do to that body that's like, what the hell's happening here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and another thing too is like the shake it off Mm -hmm. strategy. I've I've used that too. After meltdowns, there were times, again, if it was a tricky scenario where I was by myself with the boys and I couldn't just leave them unsupervised, I remember a couple times I just did like 25 jumping jacks as fast and hard as I could to try to shake some of the stress off. Or if someone else is here just saying, hey, I need to step away for a minute just to go in another room for a few minutes and just decompress. And I'm not sure if we're going to get into talking about some of my hobbies, but I also got really into running, which has Mm -hmm. been a good stress relief for me too. Yeah, no, no, I think that that's a great segue because, you know, one of the things that, you know, once like let people know, I get this question a lot, it's like, well, what do you coach about? And the answer is, Everything. Yes. I actually coach and I am not a running a runner <laughs> or anyone qualified to coach somebody on running, but we coached about your activities because Which was very helpful. Yeah, but what I think that we found the parallel between the activities you're running and the playtime therapy, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like this idea of how we do one thing is how we do all things. It's this right. sort of all or nothing. I'm either mm-hmm. on track to be a marathon runner <laughs> or I'm just lazy. Like there's no in between or I'm doing the therapy exactly as prescribed or I'm screwing it up. They're going to be behind and it's my fault. Right. And so that sort of all or nothing thinking, I I remember us talking about that a lot. So is that something you'd be comfortable speaking to? Yeah, definitely. So with running last February, middle of February, which was around the same time we started the coaching program, Mm -hmm. I think was when I started running. It's something I've done. I played soccer for a long time early on in my life. I did some trail running back in 2016, but hadn't really done much with it for years and kind of got that bug at the beginning of the year, you know, where everyone gets inspired to have New Year's resolutions and decided to start running again and quickly discovered that it was very beneficial for my mental health as a stress reliever. I've learned that right now I have two major hobbies, running and writing. And I also do some podcasting. Having those endeavors that I can indulge myself in has a couple benefits for me. Number one, it gives me something else to ground my identity in besides just being a mom or a special needs mom. And I mentioned the stress relief and mental health benefits. So started running a lot, ramped up my training, did a few trail running races. Some of them were kind of crazy, like with one where we were running around in the woods for 12 hours straight overnight in the dark. But with running in particular, another big benefit was that it reassured me that I am capable of doing difficult things. And it allowed me to channel my energy into something physical with my body, Mm -hmm. which I think kind of helped divert some of my mental and emotional stress that I have every day with raising the boys. And just kind of gave me another way to prove to myself that I can be resilient, I can be resourceful, I can do difficult things, which also helps me realize I can also handle the difficult aspects of raising our kids. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one of the things that we talked about is that when we get into this sort of all or nothing territory, our resourcefulness goes out the window. And so I remember talking to you about one of the races where you had a lot of pre-anxiety, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I was sick and I was worried that I wasn't going to be adequately 
prepared for the race. Right. And like, what if somebody like, what if, you know, your caregiver can't do it? Like, all, mm-hmm. and so then I remember you and I just going through each of those things that you were worried about. I'm like, okay, well, what if that happens? What will you do? Well, maybe I just don't run it like in record time. Okay. You know, like, well, what if this person does get sick? Oh, I can ask this other person. Like, what if this happens? It's like, so taking your mind all the way there and seeing, right, I'm a resourceful person. I could figure this out. Is it how I want to do it? Probably not, but I could figure it out. And I think that that applies with so much. And we do that every single day with our kids. We're always figuring Mm -hmm. it out. And we just don't give ourselves the credit for it, like at all. So, you know, stepping back and seeing that. Definitely. That was one of the the great things about your coaching program is it gave me so much self-awareness and confidence in so many different aspects of life. And I really liked the exercise you had me do where when I was struggling with some of those, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And worrying and catastrophizing. And you had me do an exercise thinking back over the past several years and coming up with examples of times that I've been resourceful and I've figured things out, even if it was difficult. And that was a really helpful reminder. Yeah, absolutely. Because our brains, our negativity bias is only to show us what could go wrong and then to find all the evidence to confirm it. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, it actually takes more work to look at things almost more honestly, right? (laughs) It's like, I wasn't asking you to put a positive spin on anything. I was asking (laughs) you for facts, right? And so it's like having your brain do the exercise of, you know, being honest. Mm -hmm. I know one of the things that we coached a bunch on was the fact that you were a stay-at-home mom coming from a pretty intense career where you had, you know, you were a teacher at some point, you created a company with your husband, and then I heard from you, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom now. So there was a lot of, I would say, you know, a little bit of an identity crisis going on there. And so can you speak to that a bit? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's difficult. So as you mentioned, I was a high school teacher for five years, an agricultural science teacher running my own FFA chapter. So I was, you know, very involved in the community. And then my husband and I started a software company together along with some other co-founders, which he's the CEO of now. And I have completely stepped away from that work to be a full-time stay-at-home mom 100% of the time. And so having those experiences in my past where, and I'm by no means like an egotistical person, but being in the limelight a little bit at times, and then suddenly switching gears and being a stay-at-home mom, raising twins that are autistic and all the challenges that come along with that. And let's face it, it's not a very glamorous life. (laughs) It is definitely a huge adjustment. And sometimes it can feel very lonely, very isolating. It's difficult for other people to relate sometimes. But one of the things that you helped me realize is I can still apply my skill set and my background to what I'm doing now. And one of the things that I loved was when you helped me realize that I'm like the CEO of our family. And I really do wear a lot of hats and I have a lot of responsibilities and I try to be the best possible mom that I can be. Sometimes I'm the therapist for the boys. Sometimes they're te- I'm their teacher. I'm also the ringleader of their entire team of therapists and teachers and all the service providers that they see on a regular basis. And by me doing what I do in my role, it also supports my husband to be able to 
more effectively do what he does leading a company. So I think that really helped with that identity crisis along with, like I said, having these other hobbies and things to, to focus on at times. Yeah. And I remember, well, I feel like what I saw open up for you after a couple of weeks of coaching was all of a sudden you were like, well, wait a second, you know, the summer camp, maybe we can, I can do something here. Maybe I can do something there. You were interacting with the teachers, like you are a born leader. And so even within like whatever you're doing, like you are you in whatever Mm -hmm. you're doing, stay at home mom or not. Right. And so you were always seeking out opportunities in different ways. And Mm -hmm. it was just really cool to see that open up for you. Yeah. And I think along those lines, one of the things that I gained from the coaching program too, was the realization that I am the expert on my kids. And I know we talked about some, some tricky scenarios where I deferred to a therapist or someone who didn't really have the best instinct with our boys that I have. And so just having that confidence to be able to speak up and step in and say, hey, I think this is what they really need right now in this moment has really transformed things too. Yeah, that was awesome. That was towards the end of our six months together. And I re- was it an OT? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Yes, because I also, and and this is actually a good topic to talk about. One of the things I coach my clients on a lot is their interaction with service providers, right? The service provider who says it should look like this and the parent who's like, either like, that doesn't work for my child or I don't know how I'm going to figure this out. Like, I know that you struggled with that a bit with the therapy that you were doing. Can you just talk about how that evolved, how you're thinking about that evolved over time? Yeah. So when our boys were first diagnosed with autism, we initially started with doing home-based ABA therapy. We did that for about a year and ended up switching gears because we were having a lot of issues with therapist turnover, high turnover rates. And so kind of went back to the drawing board, reevaluated and decided to switch over to play project therapy, drastically different philosophy and methodology. Basically, we have a coach or a consultant that does a monthly visit with us. But as parents, we are actually the ones implementing the play project therapy with our boys at home every day. And our consultant, our coach is fantastic. I've learned so much from her and she's given us lots of great strategies But at the same time, sometimes I've felt a little daunted. It's been a little daunting at times, especially when we have these cycles of being in survival mode because the boys were sick. And I was getting stuck in this rut of thinking like, oh gosh, the boys have been sick. We haven't been doing the play project therapy for like the last two weeks now because we're just trying to survive and everything's just going to you know, we're going to get way off track and we're going to be behind and it's going to be, how are we going to get back on track with this? So I think the coaching program has helped me learn not only in that scenario with implementing this play project therapy at home, but with a lot of aspects of life, giving myself permission to be in survival mode sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's just where we're at and lowering the expectations during those times just trying to help the boys stay regulated, whatever that might look like. If they're doing more stimming than usual, that's okay. And I can even join in with them on that and still be there with them and support them. And once, you know, we climb back out of that survival mode period and they're not sick anymore or whatever, then we can 
gradually get things back on track. And just, again, coming to terms with the fact that things like that are just going to happen. And with the play project therapy, we've been doing that for a year now. And now that we have a year of this under our belt, and with my prior experience as a teacher and everything, we've come to the decision that we've learned what we have needed to learn from our consultant. We feel equipped now to move forward doing this ourselves without the formality of, you know, contracting this with a company and in order to give ourselves the flexibility that we need when unexpected things happen in life. I remember you just being able to trust yourself with that decision, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that's such a challenge that so many parents have is like, well, what if I make the wrong decision? And then I mess everything up forever, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's like, just like you make a decision and then you just have your back about it. You can always go back if you felt like it, right? Or maybe not specifically for play therapy, your play project, because I know that there was an age cutoff for that. Mm -hmm. But just this idea of like that black and white thinking, like it's either the right decision or the wrong decision and I can't make it. Right. And you helped me realize that it can be paralyzing if we are just, if we're only ever thinking about, you know, questioning, are we making the right decision or you know, I used to spend a lot of time worrying about the future. And once we get to the future, what if we have regrets that we didn't do the right things or didn't do enough of X, Y, or Z? And I think now I'm trying to just live more in the present time. And just, we talked a lot about the the whole concept of riding the wave, which yep. was a really helpful concept for me. We're going to have ups and downs and we just have to try to go with the flow and just do the best that we can today. And know that if we're doing the best that we can today and making the best decisions today and utilizing the best resources we can right now, then that should have positive effects in the future. (laughs) Right. And like regret is a decision. Like you get to decide right now how you're going to treat yourself in the future. Mm -hmm. Like you get to decide then too. I mean, I, I have this all this time with my son, like, you know, will I regret, you know, he was out of school for three months for this OCD treatment well, I'm standing by my decision that at this time in our lives for what he needed, that was the best decision. If there are impacts because of that, then that's just what it is, right? It's Mm -hmm. not something that I need to then be like, well, it's because you did the wrong thing or you should have done something else or you should have had him being tutored on the side or whatever it is. Like we get to actually make that decision. Mm Mm-hmm. Cross that bridge when it comes. <laughs> right. Right. And when we cross that bridge, we're not a jerk to ourselves right. about it. <laughs> right. So how are you implementing the tools that you learned in the six months of coaching with me in your day-to-day life? So one thing that I'm continuing to try to do is just ride the wave of life like we were talking about and just try to take things one day at a time. This fall has been difficult. We've had a lot of illness. So We've just been going in and out of, you know, cycling through those survival mode periods. So I'm just riding the wave and I don't know what we were thinking, but we also just adopted a dog. So <laughs> that's just adding to the, to the chaos. I like to say about Jamie and her husband, they like to do things like uphill in the snow. Like they don't just like do runs, they do trail runs and they don't just do trail runs. They like do them in the dark, like <laughs> with twins. <laughs> With autism, with COVID, <laughs> with a dog. And your dog is an eloper, right? <laughs> yes. We've had him for a week and a half and he's gotten loose twice already. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been interesting. 
a really important thing for me is to continue every day to make a conscious decision to be flexible and resourceful. You helped me realize that I can be a little rigid at times, just like my own kids can. So that's something that I continue to try and keep in mind, giving myself permission to be in survival mode, like I mentioned before. I'm getting better at identifying when the boys are becoming dysregulated, seeing those early signs of dysregulation and acting accordingly, and also just continuing to experiment and find new strategies for helping them deescalate from meltdowns. (laughs) I have this little phrase. One thing that I keep coming back to is if I'm going through a tough time, I think you'll like this. I ask myself, what would Lisa do or what would Lisa say? So I feel like I always have you like on my shoulder giving me advice, thinking about what, you know, what your analysis would be of a certain situation. And then just continuing to find my identity and solace in in the hobbies with running and writing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. You've like taken off and you have like, (laughs) you're like, I don't know. I'm just a stay at home mom to like, I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. I'm a (laughs) podcast. You're like doing short stories. Like you're doing it all. I have this tendency to just go crazy and go overboard. Sometimes I get myself into trouble with that because I overcommit myself. But with the running, that was going really hardcore from February through probably August. And then it's been a little bumpy since then, just with sleep deprivation and sicknesses. But I'm back on track with that now. I don't have any races on the calendar or anything. So right now I'm just running for stress relief and just my overall health. With writing, I really enjoy fiction writing. I created, I guess you would call it like an author website for myself where I post, I mostly write short stories. So I post my short stories on there. And then I occasionally submit stories to writing contests. I also started a podcast where I narrate the short stories that I've written. And I have two episodes left in season one right now. Then I'll take a little break for the holidays. And we'll, and then, we'll include links to all of this in the show notes <laughs> so folks can find you and cheer you on. Oh, thanks. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, and then kind of a long-term project that I've started the preliminary planning for is I want to write a nonfiction book about autism specifically for, you know, occasionally now that I'm about three years into this journey local parents will be referred to me for advice. And usually it's people that are questioning if their child has autism, but they're not really sure, or they're not really sure how to go about an evaluation, or they just recently got diagnosed and they just don't know where to go from there. So I I want to kind of condense all of my experience and my advice into a book that'll be geared towards parents that have children that were recently diagnosed with autism and just kind of giving them a little beacon of hope and a little Mm. pep talk on how to process their emotions surrounding that diagnosis and just where to go from there. Oh, I love that. And I think it's one of the things that we talked about with you, like you are writing the book on what it (laughs) looks like to raise two kids with autism, right? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that we get this idea is that it's supposed to look a certain way, right? But it's like, Mm -hmm. it looks the way that it looks like you get to decide. Right, exactly. So what would you say is like the single biggest change in your life since coaching with me? Other Hmm. than the dog? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. I think 
It's probably just the level of self-awareness that you have helped me gain, but also it's just really transformed the way that I view myself and my kids. I feel like I just have a much better understanding of my kids and their challenges and how to be as supportive for them as I possibly can be, but also have that self-awareness to guide myself along that process as well. That's great. Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So the last couple of questions, would you recommend coaching with me? Absolutely. Without any hesitation, I absolutely would 100%. It truly was a transformation for me. It was a life-changing process for me. You just bring such a wealth of knowledge and experience to your clients that you're coaching, not just about raising kids with autism, but about mental health and psychology. And like I said, the science behind the nervous system and all of that, which just, it's all so important and relevant. And the other thing that I really loved about your coaching program is you just get it. Like there are so many times as special needs parents that we feel isolated and it's hard to relate with the outside world, but it was so helpful that you have gone through this journey yourself and you're ahead of, you're about 10 years ahead of me in this Mm -hmm. journey. And you've done it as a single mom who works full time, which is just amazing. And just some other things that I loved about you and the coaching program that all, you know, go into why I would recommend it. You just really sincerely care about the well-being of your clients and their families. You're very invested. I thought it was so cool how you would like comment on my random Facebook post (laughs) about the boys and stuff. You're a really good listener. It was just so therapeutic having our sessions. And I was always so impressed how we would be having a video call like this and I would be talking about some new challenge or something difficult that happened. And you're able to give such profound, tailored and actionable advice in real time. It wasn't like you would be like, "Mm, I need to think about that for a while. Let me get back to you. Like you're just so quick on your feet. And finally, you're a straight shooter, which I love. Um, this is true. <laughs> yes. You're always honest with me. Like you weren't afraid to call me out on my rigidity or my black and white all or nothing thinking sometimes. And I think that's so critical because you're not afraid to tell your clients what they need to hear sometimes, even if it might not be what they want to hear, but you know that it it has their best interest in mind and it's going to help them move forward. And it also helped tremendously that you're hilarious. And <laughs> I would be like crying about something... <laughs> you know, challenging that happened in life, but I would be like crying and cracking up at the same time because you would always make me laugh. That's Um, one of my coping mechanisms is to find the humor in whatever it is. Well, it works. (laughs) Well, I am so glad. Well, I learned so much from coaching with you. And I, I just, I was always so impressed by like how you are doing all of this with two humans, two little humans. (laughs) But yeah, I would definitely recommend it for sure. I'm curious, like when you think of like who you would recommend it to, any thoughts that come up there? I mean, aside from an autism mom. Yeah, definitely an autism mom who is just feeling a little lost or discouraged in their journey with autism, especially if things are just, if the difficulty level is increasing and they're just finding themselves emotionally tapped out and just not really sure how to handle the day-to-day challenges. 
someone who's feeling a little isolated and just needs someone to come alongside them that understands what they're going through and can give them the tools that they need to be empowered and be able to just navigate this difficult journey. Yeah. Well, I do have a question for you that I I don't think I've ever asked you separately. So I'm just going to ask you now, (laughs) live. One of the features of the coaching program, and I, I don't do this every week, but definitely in the beginning weeks when we're getting acclimated to the coaching model that I teach and some of the tools, I will give you notes. Mm-hmm. How did you find those notes? Were they helpful to you? Are they something that you've reflected upon? I'm just curious. They were very, very helpful. And for people that aren't familiar, so the coaching program, we would have a video call every single week for like an hour, which was awesome because I felt like it helped us really stay connected with what was happening in my life just on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, every week there's like something you know challenging to talk about. And so we were able to work through those things. And it was just nice having that consistency. But then you also offered in between those sessions, email support and stuff, which was great too. But I I was always extremely impressed with your notes recapping our our sessions because I'm the type of, I'm a very note oriented person, like you mentioned before. Really? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it was helpful having you take the notes because I felt like during our video sessions, I could just be engaged in the session. I didn't have to worry about trying to take notes myself because I knew that you had that covered and your notes were always very comprehensive and very insightful. And I, in fact, like preparing for this interview today, I went back through and read some of the notes and they're just nice reminders to refer back to, too. Like, you know, even now that we're done with the coaching program, just as a way to refer back to like, oh yeah, those are those strategies that we talked about. And right now I'm dealing, you know, with this difficult thing and this is what, what would Lisa do? What would Lisa say? I can refer back to those notes. Yeah. The thing that I like about that portion of it and what I benefit from it as the coach and also as a client myself, because I have coaches as well, is to be able to see the themes. Yes. Because, right, how I do something with Ben, it shows up in other places in my life too. And I think you mm-hmm. found that. And so having that sort of written record, like is is just a nice way to draw those parallels. Definitely. And progress too. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And that is so another thing, like, you know, at the beginning of the coaching program is that we set out goals, right? And we would check in like, you know, your goal was to have, you know, more emotional regulation when the boys were getting escalated. And we would check in regularly to see like, how is that going? What's still challenging? What can we work on? And so we would build those skills over time. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's such a nice thing to see you. I have to say, I do miss seeing Oliver running in because he usually <laughs> yeah. was always a That's guest cool star. Right now. I he know. was always a guest star <laughs> during our calls. But thank you so much for doing this. And before we go, can you just tell folks where they can find you? Sure. So my website for my short stories is www.jamie-gregory.com. I'm on Twitter at Jamie L. Gregory. And my podcast is called Short Stories for Busy Bookworms. All right. And on Facebook, you're the OG Diaries, right? Yes. It's kind of a small private group right now, but I have a a private Facebook group called the OG Diaries. And I kind of selectively invite 
people that I know will be encouraging and supportive. Some of them are family members, some are old coworkers, friends, other special needs parents. And it's basically a place for me to share kind of a behind the scenes, more vulnerable glimpse into life with Oliver and Owen. So some of it is stuff that I wouldn't share publicly with the whole Facebook universe. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. It was great to talk about all the benefits of the coaching program. Thanks everyone for listening to Jamie's interview. I hope that you got something out of that and you have a better idea of what the coaching relationship looks like and how much it can help you transform where you are. Whatever your challenge is, I'm here to help. You can reach out to me for a consultation on my website, theautismmomcoach.com. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to The Autism Mom Coach. If you want more information or the show notes and resources from the podcast, visit theautismmomcoach.com. See you next week.